0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 37 of ZK Live. It's Sunday night. We're going to be doing a q and I apologize. I missed last Sunday, but we finished up ZK uh, Finishing School. I was tired. I was actually exhausted. I didn't have any energy left. So we're back tonight. We can talk about ZK Finishing School. We'll talk about the probably some gloss questions after the post I had today. Um, and then I'll answer any other questions that you guys have um but we can we'll start by quickly recapping um oh wow someone from australia what's going on paint logic um yeah zk finishing school actually went better than i had expected uh a lot of room for improvement i definitely have i have some things that we'll be doing a little bit different next time um nothing major but just trying to keep things on schedule a little bit better and maybe having um a little more organization to like our, my presentations and stuff. But for the most part, I think it was a a huge success. A lot of people learned a lot of of things. Um, There's a lot of hands-on training, which is what I was really going for. I think we were able to, I was able to introduce some tools, equipment, and concepts to already high level painters to help them push their skill level that much higher. You know, you get Phil talking about the nuances of brushing black hall and Brilliant. You know, you get Dan talking about the nuances of sanding in preparation for um, cabinet grade finishes and high gloss specifically. Um, And then I was in the booth training people on how to spray. Uh, We were using the SADA um, X5500, SADA Jet 5500, uh, 1.3. For the Hollenlack. Uh, we went over some of that stuff. We went over like air movers, which is a question somebody has tonight about how we control the air, uh, what we use. Uh, yes, black, black is no joke. It will, anytime you're using black paint, especially in high gloss. Uh, black high gloss is the hardest paint there is, the hardest type of finish to apply in my opinion. Uh, it shows everything, um, it is the least forgiving of all the coatings that we use Um, but obviously has a huge payoff if it's done right so a lot of time goes into the prep work when we're using when we're going to do a black gloss project Um, and so we were able to go over a lot of that stuff and show people I think it's one thing to see it on Instagram and these guys can tell you more Um, oh well more people are applying if you guys are interested in ZK finishing school I would highly encourage you to apply soon uh we just we've booked up uh the next two classes so we're now we're booking the december class um and they're going fast we raised the price to two thousand dollars the december class is not we're not booked anybody in there as as of now uh i might need to increase the price to 2,500 but i want to kind of wait and see um we want to be able to get give everyone an, an amazing experience but i also I need it to be a profitable endeavor, and I can't have it um, negatively affect our company. And yes, zkfinishingschool at gmail.com. Send us an email, at least get on the waiting list. We're not gonna book December yet. I have a lot of ideas about what we may be doing. Um, At some point, we're probably gonna have a class out in San Diego, Um, probably gonna have one in Connecticut um, at Buddy's Shops. But until we get another one under our belts, uh, I'm not gonna book December. I'm just gonna have a waiting list. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things that I don't. You know, three months from now is hard to know like what we're gonna be looking at doing, and um, I'm just we're gonna keep a waiting list. But Z- the finishing school is awesome. If you guys aren't following us on Instagram, it's zk underscore finishing school underscore finishing underscore school. I believe uh, zk finishing school. We're the only ones. You'll see the cool logo that we had made. Um, I'm really proud of that logo and how it turned out. I use 99designs. So if any of you guys are looking to up your, your marketing and your logo, specific, your branding and your, your logo specifically, um, I was really happy with my experience with 99designs. Um, you get a, um, there's a contest and a bunch of people submit their ideas for your logo, and you get to pick one. So I had 135 different submissions of logos that I got to pick from. And then the one you pick from gets awarded the the job you go back and forth and hone it in with them but it was really cool to see Um, our finishing school is two days long uh, saturday and sunday right now we may experiment with doing a friday saturday um, but right now the next two classes that we've booked fully are the first we're doing them the first weekend of each month so the first weekend of next month of october is already full and the first weekend of November is full as well. Uh, so if you guys are interested, get on the waiting list and hold your spot for December because uh, they are filling up fast, and I'm trying I'm making sure that the class sizes stay small. Um, we don't want to have 30 people and three instructors. Um, we just don't have the space, and we don't, you know we want it to be a very hands-on experience. Um, if it's not a lot of hands-on work, then why would you travel across the country? You know, if, if we could do this stuff and we will have virtual classes, um, probably going to do some sales and marketing, some social media stuff. Um, and a lot of that can be done virtually, but the hands-on stuff can only be done in person. So if that's what we're going to do and we're going to have people travel across the country to come work with us, um, I would need to make sure that the class sizes stay small, um, which is why we're charging more. And keeping the sizes smaller um, and i think that everyone who came can attest uh, to how beneficial it was to stay small and not have 20 people uh, we just don't have the space my goal is in a year from now we will be building out a facility for zk finishing school and then hopefully we would be able to handle a larger group of people um, but for now it's it's a small um, group the What is it? The November class is, I believe it's 11 people, but there's, um, there's only nine companies. We're, we're We're trying to limit it to nine companies. And then if you bring a lead guy or someone else from your company, then that extra person is half the price and they're sort of assumed to just sort of be a team. So it's not as, it's not going to be as, um, draining on our time to have 11 people as it would to be, if there were 11 individual companies, it's very different than nine individual companies with a lead guy um, and the owner. So I think we have a lot to offer right now. We, these, those first few classes are all what we're calling, the certification that you're getting is Fine Paints of Europe training. That's what it says on your certification. Um, the owner of Fine Paints of Europe has said that anyone who comes to the training, um, assuming you're not just completely full of it, uh, but anyone who gets there that is legit, who, who, who is who they said they were will be automatically accepted into fine paints of Europe certification, uh, the next time they have one. Um, so it's a great way if you want to get certified through fine paints of Europe, uh, this is a great gateway where we can have you come out. If you make it through our vetting process, then fine paints is saying, you know, you're in with them as well. Uh, which is awesome. Uh, we were lucky to have the owner of fine paints of Europe out. Um, He took us all to dinner. I think we're going to have every, every class is going to be sponsored by somebody. Hopefully fine paints every time. I'm not sure if John can make it up the first weekend of every month. That's probably a lot to ask from the owner of a large paint of a painting company. Um, But it was a a great experience. Um, And it's definitely like a, a great way for you to get to try and use and learn from my years and tens and tens of thousands of dollars worth of mistakes that we've made to get to where we are. Um, I think the idea of paying to take an in-person class is really about learning from my mistakes and not having to learn them yourselves and, and being able to, to fast track your skills. That's why I pay people. That's why I've gone to trainings. That's why I paid a consultant uh, a significant amount of money, much more than in our class because it saves me a lot of time and money. You know, if you think about what the, the kind of projects that we're on, if we mess something up, if we have to do another coat on something, that's many hundreds if not thousands of dollars every time. And that that's on a small side. Uh, so anytime you can pay to learn from somebody else's mistakes, I think it's a good idea. Everyone is coming to ZK Finishing School thinks it's a good idea. Um, and so I'm really happy to be able to share I've taken—if there's one thing I do—is I take a lot of risk. I try a lot of things. Um, I'm not afraid to to go out on a limb, which means I've failed a lot in my career. Um, but the only way to really get to where we've gotten was to—I uh, mean, wasn't it Google's? Like, uh, I think it was Google's um, saying for a long time, or Facebook, or one of them: "Move fast and break things." Um, that was ZK painting for a long time and we're slowing down and not breaking as many things and trying to be, uh, um, we've sort of gotten to a point now where we need to plateau. We need to get our systems, So we need to get profitable before we ever try to go. There's not a lot further we could go really. Um, but before we take any more big risk, I've just taken a lot of risk. I put a lot of capital outlay out into the booth and some tools and equipment in the shop. And so now we need to be, um, we're gonna to work to be very profitable next year uh, before we jump off to do anything else crazy. Uh, we're just, I've invested a lot in the metal and we're just starting to see that bear fruit. Um, I invested a ton in Fine Paints of Europe and we're just, we're, we're, I wouldn't say just, but we're just, I would say we're just hitting our stride with the Fine Paints gloss stuff. I have two, price, two projects priced right now Fingers crossed, if we get them, uh, one's a high gloss project and one's a metal project. And both of them will be the first time where I really get what it costs to be profitable and do great work. These will be, and same with the metal. Both of these prices are very high for what I'm even used to doing. Uh, They'll be the first time where we really get to command um, a a price premium and charge what it actually costs and not just take it on the chin to be able to develop a portfolio. I built my whole career by taking it on the chin, doing over delivering on what I was being paid for and like slowly ratcheting up as uh, my, one of my favorite authors and favorite podcasters, Seth Godin always talks about the ratchet and the ratchet effect. And we have been ratcheting this company up. Um, and it's been a slow, steady climb, but I think we have the, the skill set, the tools and equipment, the, um, the marketing, the reputation, all those things are sort of lining up now where we're able to actually capitalize on um, all that hard work and try to and, and to make it profitable. Um, the theory is when you do the type of work that we do, we should have higher margins than a painting company that is doing more um, average type of painting. When, when we do this really specialty stuff, the margins should be higher, even though it's harder to make them higher because we're spending so much time and that the gallons of paint are expensive, and the labor is expensive, and everything's more expensive. Um, but the theory is you you niche down so you can increase your margins. Um, I've not seen that yet. Been working toward it. The goal is that we will get there uh, in the next year. Because and I have a lot of faith that we will. Um, and that's that's how I'm able to then turn around and pay my guys. I I really I have a goal. I really want to be able to afford to pay everyone health and ins- like have everyone on health insurance in the company. Um, that's not standard in the painting industry, but I, I think it's, it's things like that that help make us true professionals and an attractive, um, trade to get into, right? When you, you go into a white collar job and health insurance is just obvious you're going to get health insurance, but you go into a blue collar job and health insurance is not just obvious you're going to get health insurance. The unions have it, the bigger companies have it, but. My goal is to be able to have a company where we can be profitable and be able to take great care of the people in the company. Um, and so that requires you know, being very efficient on both ends, being efficient with getting the work done and being efficient with selling it for the right price. Uh, and that's I've, been, I've spent a lot of time figuring out how to sell it for the right price. And my team is spending more and more time figuring out how to do it efficiently. Uh, And so when we can marry those two together, now you get great margins where you can afford to pay people. Um, I already pay my team above market average, but I also want to be able to offer health insurance. And right now I couldn't do that, but we're really working to get there um, and still be a profitable company at the same time. Uh, This episode is brought to you by LaCroix again, my favorite seltzer right now. Mostly because I have BJ's. You can buy 24-packs uh, and they have limoncello, which is delicious seltzer if you've not had it. Um, yeah, so the school was great. I'm super excited. I have lots of ideas of how we can do... Right now, we're only going to do in-person training once a month. That's like... we can. I cannot do more than that. I was exhausted. My team was exhausted. We were lucky to have a Monday, Monday off because of the holiday. But normally... It's just not going to be sustainable to do multiple times a month. So my plan is to have one other weekend a month where we do, where I just do a sales and marketing for business owners training, social media marketing. Um, I might bring in like a sales expert, uh, a guy I was just on a podcast with who I just got to meet in real life and getting to know him. He's written a really great book on sales. But we're gonna have a business only, maybe virtual, maybe in real life, once a month training. I'll be announcing that soon. Um, but the hands-on fine Paints training is gonna be absolutely limited to once a month. Uh, it's just too draining on our on our team. Um, I'll tell you a great story now because it's over with and I can sleep at night and it's all good. But if you guys, any of you guys, saw my story Tuesday morning, I delivered a. Beautiful high gloss entry door. Beautiful. It's one of our best. And it's arguably the best one on Beacon Hill now. But what went into getting that door there was an act of God. It was the scariest, hardest door we've ever done because of a thing that happened on Saturday night that I did not, I probably won't post about it, but I'll talk about it here. Uh, just because I don't, it's not. It's not fair to have the clients have to even think about this stuff. Even though we've resolved it all, it's not fair to be posting about this stuff and have the clients um, second-guessing if they did see this stuff, what had happened to their door, and blah, 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 blah. Um, but Saturday at about 4 o'clock, we had the door come crashing down right before it was being sanded, it was being sanded for final coat. Uh, you know, 800 grit, 6 or 800 grit, very delicate, detailed sanding. It was like we were in the home stretch. And a pin had fallen out of our fast rack equipment. We're now going to be very vigilant on our pins and the locking mechanism on the pin. But a pin had come out. So where the vertical piece intersects the horizontal piece, there's a pin that locks it in and the door hangs off of that. Well, that pin was gone. The horizontal piece kicked out. The door crashed to the ground. And the panel actually got punched out and we were looking through I was holding the raised panel in my hand and we were looking through the door um, this is a very high profile door very high profile client um, a lot on the line we had been pro- we had been sold to them as the best guys in New England and Boston we were going to be giving them the best door in Beacon Hill and on Saturday night I punched a hole. Well, we punched a hole. Not me. Not anyone. It was. It was. It was just an accident. And the so luckily, it punched the direction that it got pushed through was the direction that had the applied moldings on the panel. You know, on a on a raised panel door, one side is permanent. Then the panel goes in, and then they you put a piece of molding in, and you pin nail it in, and then the panel can move in between. Well, luckily it pushed this way through and the pieces of molding that have been applied to the panel were pin nailed in. So they got pushed out and those pin nails made huge splinters. They're about this wide, two of them, these big, long, about a foot long, this thick splinters of wood that came off the door. This is a this is high gloss, fine uh, painted, beautiful, ready for final coat door. And I'm holding the panel and the four pieces of molding. So we were able to put those split, giant splinters back on. We glued them. We pin nailed them. We clamped them. We then sanded them down. Now we're back to bare wood in two sections. We had to build that back up, build the substrate up, put the panel back in, pin nail those um, four pieces of molding back on, fill those holes, get that up to speed. This was Saturday at 4 o'clock. We had, had to drop dead, had to deliver the door Tuesday morning, first day. And we're talking about oil enamel. So thank gosh, I was able to, um, bake my finishes. So we were able to use eco primer and bake it quickly, you know, not quickly, but still much faster because I was able to turn the booth to 140 and bake that primer and then put another coat on and sand it and put another coat on. So we were able to build our substrates back up. We got it all up to speed. Um, Monday, the great and powerful Jessica Allred from Alternative Finishes, who is my hero and the best painter I've I know, was able to come down. So, so that's all great, right? That's paint grade. The inside was stain grade, finished by one of the greatest finishers in Boston, this very famous company. So the inside is mahogany stain grade, and it has a massive imprint. I mean, it's this gash. It's about it was about this big. And it was about a half inch deep, almost quarter, quarter to a half inch deep. There was no like steaming this out. It was, it was lacquered door anyway. So you're not going to steam it. So we had this huge gouge on a stain grade side of, of a beautiful door. Well, Jessica, the genius that she is, the artist that she is, was able to come down Monday and mask off around it. She was able to fill it. And then she was able to add like little, like wood graining grain, like lines to it of depth. She scraped out some of the filler to make these little wood grain lines and then she was able to like paint with like six different colors, blend it and make it look like it was the piece of wood and then she cleared it. And when you looked at it, if I told you this door had a big imperfection, find it. You never would have been able to find where there was this huge gaping gouge. So thank God Jessica is a friend of mine. I was able to call her. She came down on a holiday, on a Monday night, and fin- fixed it. Um, I cried my way home from work Saturday night. I was devastated. I was questioning my entire existence, as one does when you're, something like this happens. And, you know, I'm teaching people how to paint. And everybody thinks I know so much. Meanwhile, I have this huge high-profile door that's destroyed. And, you know, it's... It's all because of, I mean, I'm the boss. Everything happens. It's all my responsibility. Um, you know, but it's a five-minute fleeting thing. I get to cry to my wife real fast and then grow up and move on and, you know, do what has to get done and, and try really hard to let it go. It's It wasn't easy. Um, Monday, I was there. Monday night, I think probably 5.30, 6 o'clock, um, Dan sprayed the final coat on the door. And then we were, again, we were able to bake it. We baked, it's the old, we had to go back and use the old Holland Lack. We had some gallons hidden. Uh, So we used the old Holland Lack. Um, Everybody thinks that these glasses are a filter. They're not, I promise. These are real glasses. My wife picked them out. I like them though. Um, So thanks to the old Holland Lack and the ability to bake, we were able to bake that on like three cycles of 140. And... Tuesday morning when I delivered the door, they were able to manipulate the door with white gloves, hang the door, um, and it was in. And the client was, like, gushing about how beautiful it was. I don't really remember how I got here, but that's that was, like, the big stressful thing of the weekend that made it all very exhausting. And I, I know everyone there uh, Sunday could see it on my face. Like, I didn't have a lot left. I had to go out to dinner Saturday night with everybody. And, you know, it it takes a lot of mental effort to be a a business, a successful business owner or just a business owner, like, or a good human. Like it takes a lot of effort to be a good adult and not be like the scared child that we all have inside. Um, And the scared child inside of me was like, Oh my God, you're never going to get another job again. Your company is going to go bankrupt. You're the worst. You're the worst. You're the worst. Um, Obviously I know that's not rational, but I think anyone that's been there knows that there's a fleeting moment of those thoughts of like, what am I doing? I'm questioning everything in my life right now. Um, you know, and then I luckily I've developed the tools to make it through those things. I have a wife that's amazingly supportive that I'm able to reach out to. Um, and I, I can focus on what I can control, and let the rest go and all those things. But man, sometimes when those things happen, it's 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 scary And it's hard to get outside of yourself and, and act in your, do and be your best self. I was lucky to, I was in the moment, I was able to just like look at Dan who was like white, looking at me like, and just be like, let's rally. Like we got this, like, all right, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. It's all good, man. Like I didn't scream, like my old bosses would have like screamed at me and yelled at me and made me feel horrible. And like, it wasn't Dan's fault. It was nobody's fault. The pin... No one saw the pin wasn't out. There's a lot going on. Um, You know, and and I was able to, I'm really proud of the way I was able to handle that. It's come from a lot of work on myself. But, you know, screaming at Dan would have gotten nowhere. Um, Instead, I can go back and look within. What am I going to do? Well, guess what? We're not going to have, first off, we're not going to have two weekends of ZK Finishing School like I had planned per month. We're gonna have one weekend, and even then, no more work's getting done on projects over those weekends. You know, they're all gonna, everything's gonna be very safely put away in the in the storage room first before we ever think about bringing people into our shop again. Um, All lessons learned, and that's where I can focus my attention. But I'm sure you guys have all been there. In the moment, it can just be crushing that that feeling, and overcoming it takes a lot of a lot of hard work and mental effort to like get past the scared little child inside, at least for me. Um, let's see. Let's get into some questions. This is a good one from my good friend, John, who was just on the podcast not long ago, dropping knowledge. Uh, John said, do you ever get tired of chasing such a fine finish all the time? The answer is 100% yes. Yes. It is it. There are often times where we look around and we're like, what are we doing? Why are we doing this every time we set the bar so high? The margin for, what it comes down to is our margin, with fine finish, the margins for error are just smaller than when you're doing standard residential repaints with domestic paint. Domestic paint is designed to have <laughs> that is a great question. Domestic paint is designed to have a large window, large margin of error. Right? You can apply duration with a lar- a pretty large window of mill thicknesses, and it's still going to perform. You can apply it with a pretty large window of of tip sizes and pressures, and and different types of spray equipment. like It's a pretty forgiving product, all things being equal. Now you look at a fine-finished product like a Hollenlack, say. Hollenlack or an Eco, they have much more narrow margins of error. You have to be much more precise, and all the things have to be aligned. Um, and so, yes, as there are moments when all of us look around and like question, why are we not just like there's days where we're like, man, I wish I was just like blowing and going, like cutting and rolling walls and moving on like that. It definitely like happens when you're like struggling through a project where the bar is really high. Um, But I'll say that the sense of satisfaction that comes from looking at that black gloss project that we just finished and walking that site, when it's all said and done and the team like everything everyone on the team we have a bunch of craftspeople they love craftsmanship and doing high quality work so i think for us the sense of satisfaction that comes from doing that type of work outweighs the 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 difficulty that it takes the, the the tough times you go through um i think that it definitely there's times where you question it, but no, like in general, I love it. I'm not changing anything that we're doing. We're, we're just trying to like refine our process that much more. But, you know, I'm, I'm not tired of it in general. There are moments where you, you get tired of it when you beat your head against the wall or something's not working or, you know, you got to do an extra coat. When do you ever have to do an extra coat when you're doing like, I don't know, regal select on the walls? When do you do two coats of Regal Select on the walls and just look at it and be like, you know what? I think we need to sand it all down and start over. Like That doesn't happen, right? The, the standards are just different. And the, the margin for error is different, right? So those, it is nice to think about doing that. But also, like, I don't think any, anyone on my team would be like excited to go to work every day if we were just putting Regal Select on walls all the time. Um, if that answers your question. Let me see if I can take that off. All right. Remember guys, if you have questions, put them down at the bottom of the question mark thing, um, because the question mark thing allows me to not to scroll back up and find your question, and then everybody can see the question on the screen. Let's see. What do you think the future holds on gloss rooms as far as design trends? Do you think eventually the desire for them will decrease until it comes back again? Um, Honestly, I think that gloss rooms are probably just getting started. To be honest, like I don't, I'll be, I'll to be fair, I don't have a amazing pulse for this. But I, what I would say is that gloss rooms, I believe, from what I'm hearing and seeing, I think that there's a lot of room for, there's a lot of demand for them, and more and more every time especially as we do more and the people that, as, as social media increases the quality and the standards of these gloss rooms, when guys stop charging $10,000 to do a gloss room and they're able to be in the 20, 30, $40,000 range and deliver a truly beautiful product. Um, the, when you see a, a well done gloss room in real life, it's so stunning and I, and I think it's timeless in many ways. Um, so no, I don't see the, a a decrease in demand, especially as the skill level goes up. Um, they're just unbelievable, and but there's also a lot of really poor ones done, unfortunately. A lot of guys, uh, there's a fair amount of paint contractors who are hearing, oh, there's a paint spec for gloss in this room, and they go, ah, hey, we got this, and they take their exact same process for painting a room and they just use gloss paint obviously anyone that's seen our work knows that there's a big difference between that and one of our a ZK gloss room a ZK gloss room is very very different that's what people are looking for that automotive level of finish that mirror piano grade what if you will um, even if it's a brush finish there's there's a different level to it than just like showing up putting paint on that happens to be gloss. So I think as more as like, as we're able to do more gloss rooms, I think that each room we do is going to lead to more, right? The rooms that we did just led to this next job that I'm fingers crossed, you know, I don't, we don't have it yet. So I don't want to jinx anything. I've learned my lesson. Um, but the more we put out high quality work, I think that People will see it and they'll appreciate it and they'll want it. And I, I don't think it's, um, I think it's fairly timeless of a thing. It's, it's an accent piece of art to your room. So as, it, the color might lose its, its trendiness, in which case it's really easy to change the color of a gloss room for a very cost effective price, right? It's getting to the point where you put the gloss on that costs all the money, um, so those are my thoughts, but I, I'm by no means a, a prophet or um, an oracle, but that's, uh, Patty's new nickname is the oracle in case anybody was wondering, cause she gets asked all the questions on the job site that she's on right now. So we've named her the oracle cause the, the architect asks her a million questions. Um, let's see. I thought I saw another question that I could answer. This is riveting content, guys. I'm sorry. I'll just bring up another one. I can't. I'm a very slow reader. Let's bring up more questions. I have a buddy who doesn't paint who puts in the most ridiculous questions on here. Here we go. I didn't read this one first. Um, But I'll put it up and we'll answer it. Uh, Beach Goth. Who are your biggest inspirations in the paint industry? Uh, I would say I have none. I think I'm perfect. And I don't look up to anybody ever. So no, obviously that's not even close to true. Um, I would say I have lots of paint inspiration. Lots of people who've inspired me. Um, I think I'm not alone in saying that John Shearer has been a huge inspiration to me. Um, John was like the first, obviously I think for a lot of people, um, John was one of the first people I saw applying fine paints of Europe, his YouTube videos, I've watched them all a million times. I'm really lucky I, I, to call him a friend. I get to talk to him and be have my mind blown quite frequently. He's an amazing person. Um, John Shearer is an absolute beast. Uh, he's playing. He's playing with. You know they say like not playing with a full deck of cards. I think John's playing with like extra cards. Um, he's a very he's a visionary, very competent person. So definitely, John Sheer. There's there's a t- like honestly there's a there's a million. Um, anyone who's passionate about what they're doing, like I got to meet Chris Polidoro at through, for, through five Paints of Europe. I've met a bunch of people also through, um, paint talk. That was like, that was my first paint was a forum, uh, before social media. That was my first like insight into painters that weren't my boss. Um, and I was able to meet guys like, um, the prep to finish guys, uh, Scott Burt and Todd Pudvar, or I forget how you say his last name, but those guys from Vermont, um, you know, I, I got to meet them through social media, no, through forums. Um, and so Scott was like a big influence on me. I got to, I remember I was fanboying out hardcore at JLC Live probably six years ago when. Festival was kind of first hitting the scene and those guys from prep to finish and from um, what the heck is the name of their company? I'm spacing because I always think of prep to finish now. Um, but I got to like I, I remember my wife. I was like so excited. She's my girlfriend at the time. And I was like, oh, man, these guys are there. I read all their stuff on the forums like they're killing it. They know so much. They know about this festival stuff I never really heard of. And I got to go to JLC Live. And I talked to Scott about this the other day, actually, which is hilarious. But he was like, yeah, I remember Like, you came up to me at the end of the day and just started peppering me with questions. And I just asked this guy questions for like an hour and a half. The place was empty. It was the end of like the last day of JLC Live. And I'm just sitting there like this young, hungry kid, like asking him all these questions about painting. Until eventually I could just tell he was like, dude, get out. Like... I'm tired. I want to go have a beer. I've just trained people on festival all day. Like, you're way too excited about painting. Um, So Scott Burt is definitely, like, one of those guys that was very, um, he impacted me a lot um, because I was able to sit at home and, like, read all these forums. Let's see. Chris Polidoro, it was obviously a huge, has been a huge influence. Um, When you meet a guy like that, I mean, he's younger than me. His company, like, what he's done, but age doesn't mean anything. Why, why do I even say that? I don't really know. Um, Chris is the type of guy that just, like, all the successful business owners I know that run bigger companies, they're just no nonsense. They don't overthink things. They just, like, well, yeah, he's like, yeah, move it up. I, I have this, like, impression I would do of him. Like, yeah, dude. dude. Like, he just, he's just like, bup, 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 bup. What, what, Why are we, why, like, you can't do the type of volume that he does. You know, he's doing you know, whatever, six, $8 million a year in sales. He's doing $300,000 paint jobs, million dollar paint jobs. Like you don't, you can't do that. And also be this guy who like sit and sits and ponders and like really hums and haws over decisions and like, like not, nah, you just like put up, do great work, but don't obsess over the work. Like give it to them, give them what they paid for and a little bit above and then move on. And, and why are we overthinking this? And like, so I've learned a lot from Chris. Uh, if you guys, you can go back and watch his episode on here. Um, he just a no nonsense. John Shear's the same way. They're just like boop 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 boop. Like, what what are we gonna sit here and like like be all? Uh, you know, I think I've lost as I've become more successful in business. I've and I've grown. I've lost a lot of my idealism. Um, and I I do believe that idealism is is a is for children. I, I don't think adults get to be idealistic, at least not in business. Um, you can be idealistic in other things if you want, I, go for it. But if you, if I want to run a business and be idealistic about everything, that's not pra- that's that's the opposite of being pragmatic, right? And it doesn't get stuff done, and will we'll shoot me in the foot because I'm here to serve the the my clients. I'm here to serve the market and add value to people. And if I make up and I decide what they want for them, you know, and I have this idealistic view of what it should be and I and no one wants it. And I just keep making the sneaker that no one wants because it's the perfect sneaker. It's like, no, man, like I need to listen to the people that are hiring me and adapt my company to add value to them. And those guys have been huge inspirations. Um, I think Jessica already has been a huge inspiration on the other end where she's able to have an extreme love for the craft and through that extreme love for the craft and, and extreme skills and by staying small, she's been able to, and having a lot of demand, she's been able to charge a lot per hour to do the work that she does. And even then, we will, everyone who knows her would tell her that she's undercharging. But Jessica has figured out a way to be extremely valuable to the world and not necessarily do it through scale. And so like, that's been, that's been really inspiring to me as well. And there's a bunch of other people that are not coming to mind right now, I'm sure. Um, But I think it's, it is important to surround yourself with people who are getting better every day. Like I don't want to hang out with you if you're not trying to get better. Like everyone has their problems, like no big deal. But if you're not focused on the solution and moving forward, like I don't want to hang out with you. And like, like surrounding yourself with successful, like-minded individuals who are pushing themselves to get better. Like, then you come, you go hang out with them and like, what, you're not going to do the same thing? Of course you are. So I'm, I'm a big believer in like facilitating greatness in myself. And also then that my job as an, as an owner is to facilitate greatness in my team. Right. I'm there to set them up for success. Not just sit back and be like, how come you're not doing it perfect? Like, no, what can I do to help perfection happen? And I think the same thing is true for myself. What can I do to facilitate greatness in my life? Um, who, like, there's like the bigger picture things you can do, right? You can, you can read books that, that connect you to ideas that you didn't already have in your head. That will change your perspective on things. You know you can you can go actively change things like that's the beauty of being human is we're like we're the only ones who get to change who we are right like you you can be a certain way, but then i don't, I don't care if it's through therapy or if it's through deep reading and interconnection with some other human being like you can change who you are that is profound and there's all these people who've written books and if you guys aren't familiar with what a book is. Especially a nonfiction book. A nonfiction book is this thing that somebody goes out and spends years, many times, many, many years, researching a specific topic, right? A very smart person spends years researching a specific topic. And then they condense it all down into one little tiny thing that you can read. That's a book. Books are freaking awesome, right? Because I don't have to go learn from, I don't think I'll spend 20 years researching a topic in the case of like thinking fast and slow, right? Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky, they spent like 20 years or 15 years or something crazy researching the book, thinking fast and slow. Well, then I can read it in, depends on how fast you read, but you can read it in a week or a month and you can get all that information condensed down for me. And I can do that over and over and over and over and over again. And That is so powerful to me. Like whether or not you were good at school, like no one's taking a test on this stuff. Like you don't have to I don't have to pass a test. I listen to these books and I it's like subconscious. Like, could I write you a book report on every book I read? Not a chance. But those ideas just keep getting downloaded into my subconscious. And those they start to add up. So you know, I think there's successful business owners, but then there's also just like reading a lot of books for smart people will help have been huge inspirations to me. Sorry, I get excited about books. Wow. That one's really long. I can't quite read it. Here we go. pH painting. Talk about the difference between the pumps you just got. Oh yes. This is very exciting. We talked, Phil and I talked extensively about this um, before the black Loss project. But, excuse me, um, we just got a Mark V from Graco. A Mark V is a paint sprayer. It's a sprayer that will spray joint compound or mud, right? It will spray very, very um, viscous materials. So on our next gloss project, um, not the next gloss project, actually, because that one's not going to need it, but... On the next full gloss room of a two hundred year old project where we're using forty five gallons of mud, we will definitely be spraying the mud on and then trailing it um, not rolling it and, and you know I think we could have put a lot heavier coat on a lot faster with the mark five um, so that's the mark five is really that's why we have it 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 will allow us to spray mud now. Can I also put paint it primer in it and top coat in it and spray it with like three hoses? Yeah, three guns, like we could do that. And and we probably will. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. Uh we probably won't do a ton of that, but we will be spraying mud with the Mark 5. Uh the 695 is obviously that's a workhorse um airless. Um if some of you saw our video spraying primer through a 1223, um The, the little Titan 440 that we have, it, it can't keep up with the 1223. It just can't, it's not a large enough pump. So the Graco 695 will be a pump that when we do our new construction, which I I believe we have a couple of projects coming up in the next year or so that will be new construction. When we go to spray our 50 gallons of primer and 20 gallons of ceiling paint, those first few days, we can use the 695 and a 1223 tip and it'll just so easily handle that paint. And then the Santa spray is what we're gonna use. I'm anticipating more COVID spraying as the winter comes along. Um, If it doesn't happen, so be it, but uh, the Santa spray is designed to spray sanitizer. Um, It has some key features that I'll be going into in a video, Um, but those are sort of the differences between those pumps. The, will the Mark V do everything the 695 can do? Yes, it can. All right. Beach Goth got another question in here. 100 bucks to anyone who can guess what the flavor... oh, well, I may have just shown it. The flavor of seltzer I'm drinking is right now. Um, to what level does the auto industry influence your finishing practices? Um, I mean, pretty heavily for never paying a car, I would say we use, I mean, a lot of the, the sandpaper that we use comes from the automotive industry. Uh, <laughs> Carney, that's cheating. <laughs> yes, Carney, you're correct. I'm drinking hibiscus seltzer. That's a flower. That must be a hibiscus right there. Um, it's very interesting. It comes in the 24 pack and this is the one I deal with because I, to get to drink those delicious limoncellos. It's like lemon seltzer with like a hint of vanilla. So good. In fact, there's one in the refrigerator I'm going to have in just a minute. Um, so, yeah, I think, oh, we just started using, this is interesting. So we're going to be testing this out and I'm going to let you guys all know. But my I, my automotive paint guy had just gave us some new tape to try. So we're trying out a new like delicate surfaces, paint locking tape, like the whole deal, right, that we we're always looking for. Um. My hunch is that it's going to be superior to the tape that we're using now because I believe I do believe that the automotive paint market is a much more sophisticated market, right? They already have schools, their hourly rates are higher, the paint they're using costs way more. Like it's a much more sophisticated market for painting than house painting is, right? So if 3M is making a a, a tape, they have a much more discerning buyer of tape in an automotive painter than they do in a residential house painter right we're just in general the two markets much more sophisticated buyers and users of paint on the automotive side because the stakes are just higher so my gut is that this is going to be cheaper and better tape um but we're going to be testing it out and we'll let you know Um, i do i've had a lot of success taking things not just me i'm not i didn't invent this Uh, a lot of people other people ahead of me did Um, Taking pieces from the automotive industry and applying them to domestic house painting uh, or architectural finishing, I should say. I like to call it architectural finishing. Um, They just have a lot of their stakes are higher. There's I mean, there's like professional training facilities all over the country. If you want to go become an automotive painter, the paint costs like three, four hundred dollars a gallon. Right. The stakes are super high. They're highly trained. Highly skilled, lots of overhead, right? Those spray booths are hundred thousand dollar downdraft spray booths, and they're just—it's a—it's a different market, and they have a very high standard. I mean, look at—well, they have a very. Let's just—it's fair to say they have a very high standard of painting, right? They have in, they have a formal industry standards, and uh, all of those things equal that they they have spent a lot more time and energy as sophisticated users of paint to get high quality finishes um obviously there's tons of high skill sophisticated painters that do architectural finishing I'm not saying that I mean if you were to to look at the two industries as a whole it's not even a question the automotive paint industry is far more sophisticated they just are um so we get to look to them for tools and techniques uh, I mean look to all those Mirka Sanders that we all use and love now. And I would st- I think it's safe to say the festival knocked either, either of those two. They are, those were all used in the automotive paint industry way before, um, they came into the architectural finishing industry. As far as I know, I and mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, yeah, I think I look to them a lot to try to up our game. We our cup guns, our automotive cup guns. And when you spray with the Sada jet, you will understand the difference between, that automotive gun. And when you spray uh, even a DeVilbiss um, industrial, like a commercial um, architectural coatings gun, a DeVilbiss gun, I, think, I forget the names of them, but they have like a $350 gravity fed gun. It's a great gun, but if you use a SATA, you will see the difference. Um, and let's be real, like the paint gun is not the expensive part of what we do. It's the paint that we're using and it's the labor that we are expending. Like those are the expensive parts. If you spend $400 more on a gun, I'm sorry, but that's neither here nor there in in the whole scheme of what we do. Uh, So I think there's a lot to be drawn upon from the automotive industry. And I'm probably just scratching the surface, and I probably should uh, go deeper. And I will. As we start this school, I'm going to be going around and looking at the other schools. Here's a good one. C.C. LaSalle. Do you strictly use Samez Kremlin spray systems or do you recommend any other HVLP system? Uh, so, uh, technically, we might have an air cap for it, but Samez Kremlin is not what I would call an HVLP system anyway. Uh, if you come to ZK Finishing School, we go really deep into all these things. But uh, we use a Samez Kremlin as an air assisted airless gun. We use it to spray, We're, we sprayed a whole cabinet job um, this weekend and last week and some early this week. Um, we've, we use it to spray larger projects of cabinet grade finishes. Um, we use air assisted airless to spray large rooms of gloss, um, that versus a, a gravity fed cup gun or even a pressure fed cup gun, which could, again, we're still spraying conventional air tips, but air caps, but you probably what you're thinking of is an HVLP more, um, or a turbine unit, right? A turbine unit is we use sometimes, and that's very different from an airless, which is very different from an air assisted airless. Um, so, I mean, I've had great success with my Graco 9.5 Pro Comp. I think the Pro Comp is very important. You, with those turbine units, having the, the remote pot, the pressure pot, I think is very important. Uh, it allows you to have some control of your fluid pressure. Right? We, have, we can add 9 PSI of fluid pressure to the gun before the air hits it. That helps atomize thicker p- products versus just gravity pulling the paint out. Um, so, I, I mean, I've, I know people like other ones. The one that we've had the most success with has been the Graco 9.5 um, Pro Comp. Um, I think it's very important to have that remote pop. Uh, gives you just that much more control over your coating and your finish. That's a that's a great gun to get started with, a lot of these cabinet guys and stuff. Uh, if you're going to just do small cabinet projects, like just get a turbine unit. It's easy to clean up. It requires a small amount of paint. It's not rocket science to get them going. Uh, the Kremlin is great for larger projects when you're trying to go fast and do high-quality work, and it's a larger project, right? But if I'm spraying out one door with a Kremlin, like we have to fill the whole line full of paint, we have to clean the whole line afterwards. If I set up a cup gun, I'm in and out. It's way faster and requires much less paint. So it really comes down to what paint are you, what product are you spraying, how much of it are you spraying, and where are you spraying? Is it on site or off site? So there's a lot that goes into the different types of sprayers. Um, let's see. Edge Water Painting said, "What?" I said dilution percentage for HBLP spray on Hall Brilliant 98. Um, I don't know. That's probably not the answer you wanted. Um, honestly, everyone needs to do their own testing. Test, don't guess. I didn't make that up. Eric Reason did. I think he made it up. He says it a lot. No, I'm sure he did. Um, Test, don't guess. Like, yes, we, do we have the new 98? I'll tell you right now. Spraying it, I do not have a, a dilution ratio and an application method that I feel like is bulletproof. Uh, I, I don't, and and that is on our list of things to do. Luckily, I, I like hoarded away 20 something gallons of the old Honlak, which we have dialed into a T out of a gun, like we can spray that perfect. And that ratio, again, I'm not gonna tell you exactly what it is because it depends on temperature and humidity and the gun you're using. Um, But we're in the 25 to 35% range um, for the old haul which that doesn't do you any good because you can't buy it. Um, The new stuff, like it doesn't need to be thinned as much. It doesn't love the FPE thinner, Um, but honestly you need to try out different things to figure out what works for you, your area, your temperature, your humidity, your gun, um, all those things don't show up on site and expect that you're going to be able to spray hall, brilliant 98, uh, and get a flawless finish without having practiced extensively beforehand. Um, it's not my experience that that's something I would ever try to do. It's the hardest paint I've ever used. Um, well, very close. Eco Eco has a tendency to be very difficult as well, but hall, 98 sprayed the new stuff, it can be very difficult. As well, and, and if you have not practiced, uh, I mean, look, like Polidoro and Shoreline, like they probably sprayed 200 gallons of it in the last year. They have got it down. Um, but it takes trial and error and mistakes and dialing it in. So I, I'm afraid I can't just hand you a formula and you can just take it and get the results that we're able to get. It doesn't work that way. You really have to do tests and try stuff out. Thoughts on using a pump-up bug sprayer to spray stain? Um, honestly, I've never done it. Um, I've heard of worse ideas on things. Um, I, I I'm not sure. I know that if you could if you could if, if you could keep a consistent pressure and you had a nice metal tip. Uh, I don't see why it wouldn't work with the right. Like, say we're using like um, Ready Seal, right, which doesn't need to be backbrushed and is like a very forgiving. You know, it's 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 a cheap, put it on every year product. It's not Armstrong Clark. Um, Ready Seal is it, would be one of those products that like, yes, a, a a pump up bug sprayer, no sweat. Like you're you're gonna, I mean. You would have to do something insane to mess up the application of Ready Seal. Um, Ready Seal does not need to be backbrushed, from what I understand, um, and it's just a very very forgiving product. It's also cheap and doesn't last very long, but it looks beautiful when you finish. So, at the end of the day, like it's not the, like it's probably not something that we'll do, um, but I don't hate the idea. I, I've sprayed Ready Seal actually with an airless, and we just masked off. Um, I know that there's, like, this is why, like, there's guys that just do staining of decks. Um, Stain and steel experts, like, that guy, they have it down. They know, like, I think they're, like, pre-treating the siding with something that makes it so it just cleans right off, or I don't know what they do, but they have it down to a science, where overspray is something they just easily handle, and they just move on. Um, But, honestly, I'm not an expert on that, that topic. Here's a question from Paint Wizards. Are there any regular high-end paint companies on here the average Joe painters can learn from? I'm not sure I totally understand the question. Um, regular high-end paint companies on here the average Joe painters can learn from. I don't really get it. Yeah, I mean, I think we can all learn from everybody all the time. Um, You know, I'm just trying to stay open-minded and and look to people to see who is doing more. Tricolor Studios, you're in luck. We do. Uh, Check out ZK Finishing School. Um, ZK Finishing School, if you guys aren't familiar, is a place where you can come and do hands-on training with us at our facility um, and learn how to do... Fine paints, high gloss. We, we, essentially, it's fine paints training and high gloss takes up 95% of the time because it's the hardest thing to do. Um, the wall paints are fairly easy. We almost don't we don't have to practice them. Um, we can just talk about them and you can get up to speed. Uh, but yes, check out, you can send me an email at Uh The December class is booking now and it will probably book up very fast. We haven't officially opened it yet. This week, I need to sit with my assistant and we need to figure out what we're doing because we filled up November's class so fast after we doubled the price that I was very surprised and I, I don't know where to go next. I haven't figured out exactly where we're gonna go next. Um, Turner Painting was at ZKFS. Uh, that's what we call it. We have this really cool logo. We had great classes. We had a great group of people who came out and we just trained on fine paints. We trained on gloss. My man, Nick Slavic was there. Um, it was a tremendous experience, and it was a great starting class and it 's just going to get better from here. Carney had a whole list of notes of what we 're going to do different next time uh Nick Slavic audited the class and had some really great feedback uh He tore me to shreds, and i couldn 't have loved it more no i 'm kidding he He did give me some r- great criticism. I always want more criticism um because that 's what makes us better is knowing where we stand. So we've talked about that um and we're going to be implementing a lot of those critiques and getting better each time. Um my my buddy down here AD Cordova 11 uh he was there as well. Um awesome guy from Alabama. Um Now, I know we killed it, but we like there's always things to improve on and and you gave me a great list. Carney had some other things in that and I had some ideas as well. And we're going to steadily improve um every time and add more and more value and and probably charge more for it too so get in while you can i would imagine uh we haven't figured it out yet because i don't have the ability to add uh a lot more people per class which means i need to charge more if the demand goes up um because we can only serve so many people at a time um it's just it is what it is well tricolor send us that email Soon and get on the, like hold a spot in December because I would imagine I, if, if we turn on the marketing engine at all, I'm fairly certain we're going to fill up December's this week. Um, I don't want to do that necessarily. I I'd like, I need some time to like digest everything and come up with our next plan. I do have ideas of my plan is kind of probably to bring out, um, people, each class, like a guest speaker, a guest craft person, each class so next month, we have Lou uh, Millinghausen from Pin Painting, a good friend of mine. He's going to be there for the weekend. Uh, does a lot of high gloss stuff. Super passionate, very skilled craftsperson. Um, the following weekend, uh, or the following month, November's class, we have Jessica Allred from Alternative Finishes. She's going to be teaching both days. Um, so December, I've been talking to Kayla Payne about maybe doing something. Oh, man, I wasn't supposed to say that. We're just talking. I don't know what we're doing. Um, we are I'm trying to figure out how we might do something with Chris. I'm trying to figure out, based off the demand, how we can add as much value to the most amount of people um, and do it the least often because it, it, it takes a lot out of me and it takes a lot out of our company. Uh, so, yeah, send that email. Um, but as far as on here, man, the answer to this question is, Follow people who seem to be passionate about painting. And my experience is if you're passionate about painting, you're going to keep getting better every day. And so I'm going to be able to learn something from you. And I try to follow, like I don't spend as much time on Instagram as I used to following people and, and, and interacting. I wish I had more time and, and I, I'm trying to find a way to balance that more. But I think there's a lot of great, craftspeople on here that are showing what they're up to and are open to share their knowledge and expertise. So I think, but don't just take. I Often I get messages from people that are very, like, takey. They're just like, they're like, F you, give me something, is the gist of the message. And those start to wear on you a little bit. So don't be that guy. Or girl that just, like, expects me to, like, hand you over a bunch of stuff smiling while you treat me like crap. Like, that's that's a tricky thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. So just be respectful. But develop the friendships. Like, there's people on here that want to connect with other people who are passionate. And everyone likes a wizard. And if you have any type of wizard skills that you would like to share with us, um, please do, because wizards are awesome. As you can tell, I'm training to get my wizard skills up. I'm channeling channeling my inner Harry Potter. Um, I'm going to stop this joke now, but I think it's funny. Um, all right, let's see. I have some more questions. This one's uh, it's really small. Here we go. Let's bring it up. How do you sell your finishes? Are you educating the designers and builders as to the quality differences and how they? Oh, sorry, I'm going to have to um, pull this one up in the question mark thing into how they should approach their clients. This is a great question. Great question. Um, I think that we talked about this. We talked about this at ZK Finishing School a lot um, because it is it is one thing to be able to apply high-level finishes and get that beautiful look but if no one pays you for it it doesn't really matter so you have to we talk a lot in in car analogies so if just because I can build I can manufacture Lamborghinis is it's great but if I can't sell Lamborghinis then it's really not that awesome so we need to build Lamborghini dealerships to sell our Lamborghinis from and our marketing needs to be Lamborghini-esque marketing and our sales needs to be Lamborghini-esque, right? Everything has to be on the same plane of high, high, high quality, right? As soon as one thing is too low or low, and then everything else is awesome again, people, like, their trust, they, they have a harder time trusting, right? Their spidey senses come up. They're like, well, wait a second. This isn't what I thought it was going to be. Um, so I try really hard in the sales process and in our, our whole company To have all things aligning with the level of finish that we apply, right? Our customer service is there. Our client communication is there. Our marketing is there. um, All of those things are there, which also means, consequently, our prices are there. Because we all know, if you've ever tried to do this stuff, it's expensive because it's labor intensive to get these types of finishes. So our prices are high too. But if everything is high, when the price is high, they're like, oh, that makes sense. Lamborghinis are expensive because they're awesome. I get it. Um, So I think the first step is to make sure that you have a model where everything is on this plane. If you show up in a beat-up truck, but everything else is on on level, and then the beat-up truck's down here, and then the rest of it's all in this really, really high-level plane, you're going to have a really tough time. I'm not saying you can't do it, but it's going to be a lot more difficult to sell that high-end finish when if you show up, like not clean shaven or like like just disheveled looking and then you have this beautiful sample board and they're gonna be like well wait what's going on here like this guy's giving me this beautiful paint job but he looks like crap like people we're trying to earn trust before they we ever paint for somebody we're trying to get them to sign a contract for a large sum of money before they ever get any painting done so building trust is very important in selling these types of finishes when you're, like, the low price, like, people don't care. They're just like, whatever, this guy's cheap. Like, it's hard to deny the cheap price. Like, oh, man. Everybody knows when they look at the three prices and they're all three pieces of paper from the same paper manufacturer. And the ink is the same ink manufacturer. Like, and they're like, oh, man, this price is so much lower. It's easy to go with them. Right? But if you show up with an unkept beard and, like, dirty pants or whatever. Like, if it all doesn't line up. Now, if that's your thing and everything's beating the same drum, then no one cares if you're unkept, if your whole thing is unkept or whatever. I don't know. That's a weird analogy. But I have found there's a direct correlation to how well everything is um, is has continuity to it versus how easy it is to sell these finishes. And even then, so we're just getting started and answering your question. That's the first thing. Work on that stuff. Then it gets into selling these finishes and it's no, it is not easy. When I gave a price this week to paint the trim in a living room and a little side, like little sit, sitting octagon little room, it was about a thirty by twenty room. The trim only, which it has wayne's coating, and it has two built-ins in it, you know. It, and that price was like forty-four thousand seven hundred dollars to paint the trim in that room. That's insane, right? Like my mind like if if it wasn't for for smart people um no, that's a good point Turner if it wasn't for really smart people who knew this business that I could call up and be like hey I'm my prices I'm looking at like 29,000 right now how does that sound and Chris was like dude what are you talking about like that is way too low I didn't know if he was going to tell me too low or too high because I felt like it was the highest price I've ever given right but if you're if then we went through like he was like all right well what's the process look like like It's this and this and this and this and this and this and this. Like when you add it all up, dude, that's a $44,000 room. All right. So how do you go about selling a $44,000 paint job on the trim in one room? Well, I don't know because I haven't sold it yet. So honestly, I don't know yet. We'll see. But our social media, right, played a huge role. They were able to go online and see very clearly the level of craftsmanship that they were talking about, right? The designer gets to. The designer is giving my price to the client. But the client, I'm assuming, is probably also going to get to go online and see all of our stuff. So step one is having a very clear social media presence that, dict- that demonstrates what you're doing. Like I now make videos and I post to try to be able to go like, oh, here's the process. I used to do it all for you guys. And honestly, I don't post nearly as much for you guys as much as I post for my clients now. If I were to like, like if I had a sliding scale and I was telling somebody else to do it on, I probably still post a ton for other contractors, but I try not to as much. I try now to post for my clients. Like, okay, if I'm a client and I don't know anything about painting, I just got this price for $40,000 to paint my trim on my room. I gotta figure out what's going on here. Now, hopefully they can look at my feed and see the process that goes into a high gloss room. And when they see all of the steps that go into it, my proposal very details, very much details, very, what's the word I'm trying to say? My proposal is very detailed. And says every single step that we're gonna do, we're gonna apply three coats of Swedish putty, uh, brushing putty on this job. We're going to apply three coats of primer on this job. We're going to apply two coats of top coat and we're going to sand extensively between every single coat. Now, then I wrote a paragraph as, and then I gave him a B, right? A price that was $30,000 or $31,000. Here's a B. Now that's one coat of Swedish putty and two coats of primer and two coats of top coat. And here's what it's going to look like. And here's the differences in all this stuff, right? And I wrote this very detailed paragraph. Now, again, we didn't get the job, so I don't know if this worked. But this is, what I, this is my attempt at trying to sell a client on a very high-priced item where all they have is a piece of paper right now. I've not got to meet the client directly. That's very difficult to sell this type of stuff with. But the designer has given us like their full, they've, they've said everything positive they can possibly say. And if the client, I, I hope that if the client looks at them and says, what should we do? They're going to say, you should go for it. That's what I'm hoping for because I think we're a great value at that price. Like that's not gouging anybody. There's a there's 800 something plus hours in that room at least. Like it's a lot of, of stuff on. So that's kind of I, there's a lot of educating the designers and the builders on what goes into it. And yeah, did I write a big long paragraph? I wrote a paragraph that goes with the very detailed estimate. Did my social media show every step of the way? Yes. Could it be even better? Do I need to refine my highlights on my gloss process to be even more clear cut on what the process looks like? Yeah, I probably do. But that if you're asking how do you sell high-end finishes, it is, A, you have to be able to do the work, right? If you can't do the work, like, you're already screwed. But if you can do the work and you've done the work, then you can document how you did it and the process. And then you can try to educate somebody is to and talk about I talk about here's how many hours like it's 10 man days to sand that room per coat or eight man days two man days, it's eight to ten man days just to sand that full room there's a lot of trim that has details in it that's it's all uh it's all probably a mahogany with a very deep wood grain it's very deep wood grain in this mahogany it's going to take three coats of Swedish putty of brushing putty and three coats of primer to fill all that grain there's no question and there's it's very detailed trim. And then so when you're sanding that like that's a lot of hours. And so I need to be able to communicate to a client what goes into this. This is not just like I'm just making up numbers and getting rich. Like that's not how this is working. Um so I hope that answers your question. I will got, obviously I'm going to let everybody know if we get this job. Everybody fingers crossed. I uh, re- this pro- this room is going to be phenomenal if we get it. I cannot wait. We're going to be matching our color of blue to the blue in the wallpaper, the super nice wallpaper. We're going to be sending the wallpaper to Vermont and getting a a piece of it color matched so the gloss matches it. It's going to be unbelievable. Um, But we need to win the job first. And it's a very expensive price for seemingly one room, right? $44,000 to paint the trim on a room sounds insane. I never would have believed it. But if if I put pen to paper and I think about how can I give them a automotive, automotive finish in these rooms, that's the price. Like, I mean, it just, it is what it is. And I I have to now work backwards from that because I'm not a nonprofit. And if I was, these are not the clients I'd be giving my charity to. They're, they're given to charity. They don't need my charity. Um, But I have to be honest and charge what it costs. Let's see. People have said some stuff. I feel like tonight's been going well. I taking a week off. I have a lot to say. Um. Yes, any mahogany from Little Wayne is probably my favorite song right now. I can't stop. Like I've listened to it like on repeat so many times. And it's so freaking good. So if you guys haven't, I played it on my story a couple times. If you guys haven't heard Mahogany from Lil Wayne, you guys are missing out. I have a feeling somebody was just like, I bet you can't rap about any word I say next. And they looked around the room and were like, Mahogany. And he just started going. And it is phenomenal. And you should all listen to Mahogany. I'm passionate about that song. Here we go. Turner Painting. Are the glasses a marketing angle? Uh, a hundred percent. Yeah, probably. Like there, is there a piece of it, piece of these glasses that are like, well, I want to be different. Yeah, of course. Like my price, that $44,000 price is so freaking different than every other bid they're going to, they didn't get other bids, but if they did get other bids, it's so different. Right. Well, so I'm looking for any little thing I can do. You also mentioned the flofers earlier, right? Those I just happen to really love. But also, yeah, do I mind being a little bit different? Does that is that probably helpful in some way? I don't know. I like to think it is. You know, it is what it is. I, a monocle is going to help me sell that job for 60000 What was I thinking? Um, that's a great idea. No, but, like, I, I used to not be comfortable doing stuff like this. Um, and now it's like, yeah, man, like, I need... Honestly, I spend a lot of time driving down the road thinking about how can we be different because our paint jobs are so different. And the more I can sell my paint jobs from a, in a way that's different, and the more my company can look different and be different, the easier it is for people, to, I believe, the easier it is for people to wrap their heads around, oh, the paint job's different too, which means the price will be different too. If everything I did was exactly the same, as the guy was charging half my price, except for the paint job and my price, phew, it's going to be really, really hard to sell against that guy, right? Because we're apples to oranges, paint jobs and price. But what, I'm going to be an orange to his orange for everything else? I believe, and I'm an N of one, you know, but that's what, as I understand it, that that I hope that's working, you know. We have survivorship bias in this world, right? Like the companies that, like if you look at Amazons and Facebooks and whatever, like we look at them and we're like, well, whatever they did works because of survivorship bias. Well, like, well, how many companies that did the same thing as them went out of business? We don't know because we only see the ones that that win. So there is definitely some survivorship bias to some of the stuff, possibly. Um, It's hard to say, but I definitely don't. I definitely love the idea of being a little bit different because I think our paint jobs are. Um, plus, my wife really likes the glasses. And now, so I like them because they're different. Three years, and five years ago, you would never have been able to pay me to wear glasses like this that were different and funky, right? Um, but now I'm like, oh, this is cool. I don't care. Like, whatever. you. I had a guy make fun of my flofers the other day. I was on, I was on an elevator, coming down an elevator at uh, 1 Dalton. And uh, as he couldn't get on the elevator because we were already full. As the door closed, he goes, uh, my wife wants her shoes back. And I I, I was like over the moon. I was like, like this is hilarious. Like, I love my Flofers so much. They're my favorite shoes I've probably ever owned. They're so comfortable. They're cheap. They're easily washable. They're unique. I love them, right? The fact that that guy said that. I was just like, dude, you don't know what you're missing. Then the guy next to me in the elevator, another worker guy that I didn't know, he was like, uh, he goes, what did he say? He's like, you should have asked her how you got him." which I thought was hilarious. And I didn't, I was not that witty at the time. Next time someone says that to me, I will probably be able to retort with, you know, something like, Oh, how'd I even get these? I don't know. It'd be tough. You'd have to be a real stand-up comedian to be able to get that back out. But, um, your wife can't afford them. Um, in my fancy loafers, that's another story. I wore so I've I, now I have. An, you want another end of one? I my wife got me like Todd's boutique fancy smancy loafers for my birthday, and I love the heck out of them. I love the heck out of them, but they're ridiculous. Um, but I don't really care. Again, I'm now I'm hooked on loafers, and I wore those loafers to an estimate for a client. And uh, we didn't get the job. Uh, we were significantly more than a like fly by night dude in a truck. Um, I am not gonna go I'm not gonna be a superstition native and go as far as to say that the loafers were what made me not get the job. But I won't be as a superstition native. I won't wear those loafers again to an estimate. Um, the the designer was like, "Oh, the clients from New York City." They're moved to Rhode Island. They they think everything is cheap. They're really excited. They're going to be great clients. And I was like, awesome. I've been looking for an excuse to wear these shoes. And it was I was just going there to an estimate and then going back to the office. I was like, oh, where are my nice shoes? And then I'm fairly certain that they did get in the way. Um, I, who knows, though? Who knows? Um, how much do you roughly charge on one mirror finished door? Um... I had a guy call me yesterday. Well we are, I would say our average price for one side of one door is 3,500. If, if you want like an average, like, a, you know, I was like, but you gotta send me a, you got to send me a picture of the door before I can tell you anything. But like roughly, you know, three to 5,000 for one side really depends. It can be five to seven for both sides. If it's two colors, obviously that's going to change a lot. Um, if it, like if it's really beat up or if it's brand new wood grain, that's going to change something. Um, wait, did you look up those loafers? Uh, um, but yes. Now, if you break down now, we broke down like what goes into those doors and you like calculate it up. Um, you know, it, it really depends. Now, my booth and my team and the fast rack equipment and the spray guns that we have have allowed us to get these doors done more efficiently than we ever have before. So we've been able to, I've been able to sell them at that price and be more profitable now. Cause John's saying I should start, you should be 5k starting. Like, yeah, it it depends on the, like, you know, it depends on how many am I trying to sell? Um, you know, it really depends. Like I, I sold a Dutch door the other day for sixty five hundred, without seeing it, just through text messages over the phone. Um, Dutch doors are, I mean, it's that's there's more work there, uh, and it was black, you know, and it was an old door, so we're gonna we're gonna sp- put a lot of hours into one of those doors to get them to look like, you know, the ZK finish that we're selling. I also tell them like, hey, if if that number is way more than you want to spend. Like, I can give you a beautiful high-gloss door for half that price, but, like, there's half the labor in it, so just know, like, it's not that piece of art that you saw on Instagram. Um, yeah. One side of a door, I just, that one we just did was um, $4,000 for one side of a door. Um, That's just what goes into it. We're taking a door from Boston, we're driving it back to the shop, we are Taking it through an entire generally seven coat process, what it takes to sand each coat is i mean minimum minimum two and a half hours per door per side, right to sand a six panel six panel raised door raised panel door to sand it takes us about two and a half hours to sand it per coat and if we're doing both sides and we're doing six seven coats. It's a lot of hours just in sanding. Um, so, you know, I think it comes down to managing expectations. Like, what are you looking at? Did you see – which door did you see? Did you see my – that Navy door that we did for NS? Like, did you see that door we just put on Beacon Hill? Because if you saw that door, that's our A door. And that door costs a lot of money because there's a lot of hours that go into it. Um, it's a simple equation. Here we go. SEC said, are you doing some – or ZK Finishing School next year. Uh, The plan is that we're going to be doing ZK Finishing School every month. Every first weekend of every month will be FPE training. Um, We may be adding, we're probably going to be adding a sales and marketing. So if you're you're interested in sales, marketing, and social media stuff, uh, I'm probably going to be taking like maybe only five people. Uh, I think we're going to keep it super small, super elite, and and like deep case study stuff where we where we go really deep on social media um sales and marketing stuff and we do case studies where you walk out with a very detailed blueprint of a bl- social media blueprint a marketing blueprint um sort of business plan thing but most importantly the social media marketing plan i think that's very important to have uh if you want your social media to bring you business and really bring you lots of ideal clients, which I think there's not a better vehicle to bring great clients to you than social media. In my experience, it has been perfect. But we've been beating the exact same, I think, we've been beating the exact same drum for years now. Like, If you follow ZK Painting, I would hope you be able to tell friends, family, whatever, in three sentences what makes us special, right? I hope that we've done that. I've worked very hard. Uh, I, I've worked hard to be consistent. And we don't show, you know, passionate craftspeople doing high-level work one day and then some people who don't give a crap doing slap-on painting the next day, right? We're consistent with our message because it is who we are. Um, I don't understand. Show them that Sunday technique you used to have. I' know huh. um yeah, can you do that finish on site? Oh, yeah, we can do that finish on site we do we we do it all the time um it's obviously it's a pain in the butt to do that type of stuff on site. The shop's just so much easier, setup up and cleanup is easier. Um, yes, everyone is paying in advance to secure their spot. uh I don't want people holding spot like we're doing this as a, as a very small thing. So if you want that spot, everyone who wants, who's got a spot is paid for their spot. Um, I know you're joking about it, but yes, if you want a spot in the school, you have to pay in advance. Um, I, we're charging a significant amount of money and we're keeping the classes small because we want people to take this stuff very seriously. Um, I've been to tr- free trainings. I've been to trainings that cost not a lot. And it's just human nature. Like We just don't value things that are free. We don't value things that we don't spend a lot of money on, um, generally. And if I were to charge a low amount of money, I probably could go to, to sponsors. I could go to brands and like have them subsidize it. That's a model. There's a, a model of the school where we go to all the brands and we have them pay us per person. And then we do a bunch of marketing to you and we have sales reps in there. And, you know, and we get it on the other side. Um, but I don't want that. Like what I want to do is have it. um, It's, it's $2,000 is the last class we booked was $2,000. I have not opened up the next class. I I need to sit and like, think about what is December going to look like? How many people are we going to have and what's the price going to be? Because I need to make sure that it's, we're adding the maximum amount of value, but it's also a profitable endeavor so that we can, continue to do this and build out a facility for this and have this be a real thing. This is not going to be just like some little side hustle thing like we're gonna build ZK finishing school into a legit school where you can come and you can learn more than just fine paint stuff and where the young apprentices of the future can learn and there's just a, there's there's a great opportunity here to be able to train people on painting and not just train people on painting but also give them that respect for the craft and that love for the for what we do. Um, so yes, we have RJM is booked in the November class. That's awesome. Congratulations. Uh, I can't wait to have these people out. Everyone who's come out. Like, obviously it's all, we all love what we do and we're all trying to get better. So everyone at the class helps raise everybody else's level. Um, but send me an email. We'll get back to you. Well, Z, she already put it up there. ZK finishing, ZK finishing school at gmail.com. We have an Instagram follow us there. Um, I just, I'm not ready to start booking December yet because I, it's so far away and I just don't have a very clear idea of how we're going to do this and what the class size will be that time and how much it will be. So I don't want to, I just need to think about it this week and we'll get back to you guys. Um, It's a big decision to commit to three months worth of classes uh, today with only one class under our belts. Um, I want to just make sure that we're doing the best thing for everybody. Um, let's see. I think I, that might be all the questions. This was a good night. How awesome is it that Instagram is letting us go for two hours and post two hour IG lives? Uh, two, it's allowing us to post two hour IG TV videos, um, which is tremendous. Uh, that happened out of the blue last week. Uh, so we've been going for a while now and I get to post this whole thing as one video. Um, Yeah, and, and we're not doing, at this point, we're, we're probably going to do some supplemental online stuff so that you don't have to travel across the country. And I think we may, I may start with the sales and marketing and social media class being remote. Uh, we're going to talk, if you're interested in that class particularly, let me know in the, in the email because it we, we're going to play with how we do that one. And maybe we'd have the first one remote. Because, uh, honestly, we probably can do most of it uh, remotely. I, I would prefer to do it in person. But it obviously adds a lot more cost for everyone to do it in person. So I'm definitely open for that. We're going to be looking into that. We're going to be looking into other classes where we bring in outside people. We're probably going to do, like, a designer weekend where designers come in and we bring in other designers to teach them. And we can sort of, like, hopefully elevate the level of paint I'll be able to do some education that weekend on like, here's why paint's important. And here's what paint can do for you designers. Here's why you don't just listen to the paint manufacturers, like all those things where we can advocate for the painter to the, the future of designers who are trying to up their game. Um, you know, I think it's really important that we get to the architects and designers. why I've been having them on the podcast. Um, you know, I think my goal is I was talking with my wife today, like if we can get, where our school has courses that are continuing education credits that are good for the AIA, which is the architect's certification thing. And I'm pretty sure designers have to take continuing education as well. Um, if we can get, imagine if we can get a painting course in there to help um, educate these designers and architects on coatings and they get credit for it. And if we, mad, like I know as a painter, I've been dying to get the ear of designers and architects and be like, Here's what's important. Here's what matters. Here's what you want to look for, right? Because in general, they don't have a deep understanding of coatings. And I think that that's our job is to help them. So I'm definitely looking to, to, to turn ZK Finishing School into something that helps increase the knowledge of everyone, which will advocate for the professionalism of our trade. Because that's what I think we need is anything to help, again, separate us from guys who are just like, don't give a crap about painting and are just painting out of a beat up van, drinking beer at lunch and eroding the standards of our trade. Um, that is not helpful. And this race to the bottom is not helpful. And if we want to bring in the young people and give them a career in painting, we got to start doing something up the level because this, this is not sustainable where we're doing what, well, where it is right now, at least in general in the industry. Um, Yeah, I think there's a a big, big gap in knowledge from designers and architects. And I think a lot of them generally, the the paint companies have done it to us. They have made everybody think it's just paint, right? They've not helped us um, in advocating for craftsmanship and quality. They've just been feeding this like race to the bottom. Oh, we got a cheaper version of a gallon of paint and it's easier to use. Like, how does it perform? I hey, don't look at how it performs. But man, is it easy to use, painter. Man, is it cheap, client. And and there's just been a lot of that. And we have not been standing up and advocating for ourselves as craftsmanship, as craftsmen, um, nearly as much as we could. So, yeah, we, we are uh, we're elevating the trade. It's going to say, it says down the arm of our sweatshirts. When you come to ZK Finishing School, you get a really cool sweatshirt that says elevating the trade. And... Uh, that's what we're trying to do and I think all of us uh the more anyone who's on here listening to me talk for hour and a half two hours about painting like we're all gangsters like we are all working to up the level of what this thing is um because I don't know this just wasn't available to me like I would have to sit in my office in front of my computer and scroll through forums and read through a bunch of crap to get to a couple pieces of gold right and this way I get to communicate back and forth with people all the time in a way that it's the ratcheting, like, like my good friend, not my good friend, I wish my good friend, Seth Godin. If you guys have, are not familiar with Seth Godin, I, honestly, his podcast called Akimbo is tremendous. It's a half hour, 25 minute, very deep thinker, that guy. Amazing brain, seminal thinker, unbelievable guy, Akimbo, but he always talks about the ratchet. And we're hoping that I can move this ratchet and we can keep, all, all of us are ratcheting up the standards of our industry. Um, and we're doing it through social media. And that's that's amazing. So, again, like thanks, guys, everyone, for being here. I'm going to wrap up. Um, Tuesday, I don't think I have a guest scheduled yet. I'm going to fix that. We had somebody reschedule. Um, So I'm going to be sending out some messages to a couple of people about coming on Tuesday. Uh, I'm going to try to still have that um, episode. I'm hoping to find another architect or designer because I think that's it's really powerful to be able to connect with those, with that other side. The people who oftentimes specify what we do. Um, But we'll have painters on too, obviously. Um, But again, everybody rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. I guess there's a, is anybody listen to, um, what is, was it like Google podcasts? Like if you have a Google phone, is it Google podcasts? Someone was saying that they couldn't get our stuff, but I think Spotify is a podcast platform that everybody should be able to get. Um, if you don't have an iPhone, you can still go to Spotify and you should be able to listen. Um, and the way I ramble, man, I would imagine listening to these things and not having to watch them on your phone uh, while you're working is probably a great way to, to digest some of this content. Um, s- write me a review. Send me a message. Uh, let me know how you what you think about the content. If there's stuff you'd like to hear more. Um, but again, uh, everybody have a great night. Crush it this week. I'll see you guys on Tuesday.